Congregation of the Dead, Part 22, Second Half, Part D. O Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk 3.2. First, a couple minute review. Jesus proclaims, John 10, verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief, fake Jesus or free will preacher, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus, am come that they might have eternal life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Giveth his life for the sheep, not for the world. Verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 26. But ye believe not. Why? Because ye are not of my sheep. Notice that Jesus did not say unto them, Believe on me and become one of my sheep. But he said, Ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. Or in other words, ye are not one of the elect given to me by my Father before the foundation of the world. You can imagine that if these free will Jews actually comprehended his words, along with other stinging words, these words would be fighting words. And they were. For Jesus said unto them, verse 38, But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, in order that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. That is my Father. Verse 39. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Therefore we see that Jesus himself says that he is the door. He is the wicked gate. He is the straight gate. And we must pass through him who is the door. We do not believe to become a sheep, but we can only believe if we are a sheep given to Christ by his Father before the foundation of the world. And he then can reveal himself to us by making us a new creation. Yes, it is Jesus that makes us a new creation without any cooperation from us. When that day arrives and it happens to us, our soul knoweth it right well that we 
indeed have just been fearfully and wonderfully made a new creation. And we innately knew that what just happened to us, we could neither have accepted or rejected it. But Jesus unexpectedly showed up and revealed himself to us, giving us eternal life by making us a new creation and thus pouring his spirit into us. We innately knew, we knew him and he knew us. And by his spirit within us, we knew he was the good shepherd and we were one of his sheep. Yes, the true shepherd had just revealed himself to us and we knew that we had just been chosen and we did not choose him and instantaneously knew that our natural man, Jesus, was no Jesus, was no shepherd, but was simply in our mind who we were following, that is, our idol, who we were following. But now we are 100% sure that the true shepherd had revealed himself and we were his sheep and we recognized his voice when he called us. That is, we had a we had just been elected by him. It was not us that chose him. And we experienced his experiential perfect love, casting out all fear as we were wrapped in the warmth of his loving arms. Now to the scriptures, Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, or inward men. Thou hast has covered me in my mother's womb for I was chosen before the foundation of the world. Verse 14 I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made a new creation. Marvelous are thy works in making me a new creation and that my soul knoweth right well. Verse 15 My substance that is, the evil proclivities of my heart, was not hid from thee when I was made a new creation in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord Jesus, he is God. It is he that hath made us a new creation and not we ourselves. We the elect are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 4, let us enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Let us be thankful unto him and bless his name. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. His mercy truly is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. So we can see from these verses the inbred experiential joy of being made a new creation. For it is just like walking into a new world, that is a new spiritual world, 
in which not only do we see ourselves totally transformed, but God's creation comes alive to us as if we were walking with God in the Garden of Eden, as Adam did, enthralled with his creation all around us. It is beyond words to captivate the essence of this loving experience. The new creation is such that we innately are now aware. We have spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, for we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, and we know it. Former Mr. Morality, who had his fake Messiah as a Pharisee, was so clueless to who Jesus was that he wanted the rebel rouser crucified. But now, as a new creation, he writes this to his brethren in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why can former Mr. Morality write so confidently about the new creation as he did above? Answer, all of his 13 epistles he wrote in the New Testament are reality to him, for he has experienced in one way or another the precepts or principles that he wrote about. Therefore, when we read his epistles, let us think about how he has experienced what he exhorts others to do like this. In fact, former Mr. Morality tells his brethren in Galatia that his fake Messiah or fake Jesus that he worshipped before he was a new creation was no Jesus or in other words, no God. Now to the scripture, Galatians 4, verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye, my brethren in Galatia, knew not God, like I did not know God before I was made a new creation, I too worship my fake Messiah or fake Jesus, and I did service unto that fake idol, which was no God at all. And how humiliating that this still is to me, that I could have been in such darkness to worship that fake Jesus of mine as a leading theologian in Israel. Again, Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye, also my Galatian brethren, did service unto them which by nature are no God. Yes, there is only one true Jesus, and if we are worshiping a fake Jesus, we are worshiping no God. That ignorant fisherman, a duped son of thunder, totally understood that I, his superior in intellect, was walking in complete darkness as a Pharisee, and he, my inferior in education and intellect, was walking in light, and was 100% sure 
that I walked in darkness and comprehended it not. How could this fisherman John be so confident that he walked not in spiritual darkness? And I, Mr. Intellect, did walk in spiritual darkness. Answer, Jesus had revealed himself to fisherman John, and he was a new creation, and therefore had come out of darkness into light. And he now completely understood these words of Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. That light, that is the true Jesus, is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than the light, that is the true Jesus. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil, evil in God's world is anything less than perfect. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, that is the true Jesus, neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. If we just rob the bank and the police have our identification, do we go to the police department to help us escape? We think not. Likewise, the natural man will innately not come to Jesus on his own, for he innately knows he will be reproved by a holy Jesus and thus would have to give up his lustful pleasures, his vices, his worldliness, as well as his worldly friends, and thus would rather remain in darkness. Verse 21. But he that doeth truth, only the new creation can do truth. Can any of us do perfect truth? Unless we are a new creation, for we all innately know we are liars by nature. And we also know lying is ineradicable from our sin nature. Thus, if we do not possess the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we cannot do perfect truth. Now that I, former Mr. Morality, am made a new creation, I myself agree with Jesus, for I wrote to my brethren in Coloss the following. Colossians 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who hath delivered us, that would include me, former Mr. Morality, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us, that would be you, my brethren, and myself, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus. So we see that former Mr. Morality undisputedly understands the difference between walking in darkness, darkness and walking in the light as a new creation. With the package of the new creation comes a heart transplant. With the removal of our unrepentant stony heart, 
replacing it with a heart of flesh, that is, a tender, repentant heart of flesh. With this new, repentant heart, the evil proclivity, proclivities of our heart are magnifying greatly over that which a natural man experiences. That is, the new creation feels the vileness of the evil proclivities of his heart, keeping him in a state of repentance. That is, the nature of the new creation, creation reflexively, experientially, knows that original sin is sin and feels a constant need to repent, which is a good thing, for his conscience is continually being purged, bringing a sense of perpetual spiritual freedom. In our last message, we looked at how Jesus in a parable portrays how original sin affects a true believer, a scumbag publican with a repentant heart. When juxtaposed to a phony, arrogant, self-righteous theologian who was nothing more than a professing believer. Jesus begins this parable by saying, Dr. Luke, verse, chapter 18, verse 9. And he, Jesus, spake this parable unto who? That is, to certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Jesus, in this introduction to the parable, ties together those who trust in themselves to those who believe their self-righteousness makes them right with God. Therefore, implying that if we desire to see that self-righteousness is sin, we must first learn to not trust in ourselves. Why? For our heart, which is filled with original sin, and original sin is sin, cannot be eradicated, but only covered up with self-righteousness or morality. But we don't want to cover up our original sin, but use the commands of God to expose our original sin so that we will be thrown to the feet of Jesus, crying out for mercy, that we might by faith, via grace, look to the righteousness of Christ for our fulfillment of the law, and therefore vanquishing all our self-righteousness and trust in ourselves. Our heart with its ineradicable evil proclivities is in such bad condition that we as natural men are in great need of a spiritual heart transplant from the great physician. Prophet Ezekiel writes about what God or the great physician exhorts. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart, or the unrepentant heart, out of your flesh, and I will give you a tender, repentant heart of flesh. Verse 27. I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Again, this parable is written to 
Dr. Luke, chapter 18, verse 9. And he, Jesus, spake this parable unto who? That is, to certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Who are the self-righteous? But those that innately despise others because their evil proclivity of pride more easily ekes out and they tend to look down their noses at others for they have covered over the evil proclivities of their heart with morality and thus naturally suppress the evil proclivity of their self-righteousness making them prideful rather than using the commands of God to increase their awareness of the evil proclivities of their heart, that they might be thrown to the feet of Jesus because they are aware that the evil proclivities of their hearts are ineradicable. And thus, the only way for them to obtain holiness is to bow the knees of their heart to Jesus as they look by faith to his perfect obedience to be imputed to them as their own perfect righteousness. We are, we are all born into this world innately believing that self-righteousness is our ticket into heaven. And thus this idol is the hardest of all for us to give up. There must be a death of self-righteousness before we will seek the righteousness of Christ as our ticket into heaven. Jesus makes it perfectly clear in this parable how odious self-righteousness is to him in how he portrays this arrogant Pharisee. He not only shows his contempt towards self-righteousness in this parable, but also he did it face to face with the arrogant Pharisees. So before we look at the parable, let us learn from Jesus how he confronts self-righteous theologians. Matthew Chapter 23, verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. That is, the evil proclivities of their heart are hidden from them by their morality, and thus they are only repenting over their acts of sin, but not the sin of their ineradicable evil proclivities of extortion and excess. Thus, they are blind to the fact that in God's eyes, original sin is sin before it finds fruition in an act of sin and is in, and is in, and is in need of repentance. Verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that is, repent over your original sin before it ever finds fruition in an act of sin. And therefore, you will have no act of sin to confess. And thus, the outside of the cup will be clean. And you won't come to the temple to pray as this arrogant Pharisee prayed in my parable. Verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28, Even so, 
ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity, because your morality was achieved by self-righteousness, which may look good to the natural man, but it is over ten thousand times short of holiness, which I, Christ, demand and command. Jesus is not done, for he further rebukes them. Verse 33, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? They won't escape the damnation of hell, for their self-righteousness has not received the death blow, and thus they cannot receive the imputed righteousness of Christ, which would make them holy in God's sight. Who do you think Jesus was speaking to in these verses but but the Pharisees, like me, former Mr. Morality? Yes, as former Mr. Morality or former Mr. Self-Righteous, I was one of the theologians Jesus was speaking of that trusted in myself, and I was righteous before God. And my Messiah was in reality my own hard work to follow God's commands, which call, which is called self-righteousness. But after I became a new creation, I looked back and realized I was wise in my own eyes and had become a fool because I trusted in myself, being ignorant of the deception of my own heart, and I had changed the truth, that is, the true Jesus, into a lie. That is, I changed the true Jesus into a fake Jesus of self-righteousness, a man-made righteousness. So knowing this through experience, I wrote to my brethren in Rome the following, Romans chapter 1, verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That would be me, former Mr. Morality. Verse 25, who, that is me, former Mr. Morality, changed the truth of God, that is the true Jesus, into a lie, that is my fake Jesus of self-righteousness and worshiped and served the creature, the fake Jesus, more than the creator, the true Jesus, who is blessed forever. Amen. There is only one God, one true God, and all the other fake gods are made in the man, image of man or creatures. Let us conclude by listening to Isaiah 44, verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid, have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Beside, yea, there is no God. I know not any. Verse 9. They that make a graven image, like self-righteousness, are all of them vanity. Verse 10. Who hath formed a God, like self-righteousness, or a molten graven image, that is, that is profitable for nothing. Verse 21. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Spiritual Israel, that is. Thou shalt not be forgotten in me. Verse 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. To be continued. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance unto thee. In the name of Jesus, amen.